Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt. Mike, how we doing, man? Good. Doing yeah, well? I think, what is this, episode 15? I don't know. 14, All right, well, 15? 13, a lot of episodes. 15. Almost We're legal. <laughs> that is correct. So before we get into the game and break it down, we're going to start by doing another top five. I'm currently 3-0, and and I think you have the first pick this week. We're I gonna better have the first pick. This is... It's specific, so we won't have any duplicates. We're doing top five random Jets memorabilia that you own. So I think yeah. we probably have some ridiculous top ones, and then when we get further down the list, they're more probably common, but... Mike, start us off random jet memorabilia that you own. Yeah, so I'm a 24-year-old adult, and I have a life-sized fathead of Mark Sanchez <laughs> on my wall. Directly yeah. behind your bed. And I, you've had it since we were in middle school. And it's when he says life-sized, it, it might be bigger than Mark Sanchez in real life. I mean, yeah, like I moved out, but now with the coronavirus, you know, I just spent some time at home and – I mean, it's there. It exists. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's a, good, it's a good one. Definitely a good one to have. Um, my number one, I went to training camp in 2014, and I got a hat signed by Eric Decker. But that's not why it's random. Salim Hakim yep. was the other one who signed that hat. Uh, really, nobody was calling his name at all, and I kind of knew what number he had. And I was like, yo, Salim, like – you're on like a four three forty, and he like ran right over to me and signed my hat. Like he was hyped that someone recognized him. <laughs> I still have it to this day. People were like, "Wow, Eric Decker, really cool." I'm like, "That's not the cool part of the hat." Salim Akeem. I don't think he ever called a ball that entire year. He had some kick returns, but that would be my number one. His dad was the kick returner on the greatest show on turf, the Rams, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like ten dollar Venmo, if you can answer this question. What was his longest return? Of the 2014 season. How many 20, yards? 24 was? yards. Nah, 44. Almost half. Fuck. He had a 44-yard return? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Damn. All right, Mike, number two. Number two. I'm going to go with – I have a headless Antonio Cromartie bobblehead doll. <laughs> so I had a bobblehead of Antonio Cromartie. The head fell off. I still have both pieces. They are not connected. It is now a headless bobblehead of – Antonio Cromartie. Now, did you get that at one of the games that we went to, or is it just a random? I think I did. I think I got it at a game. Must have been obviously a lot of years ago when Crow was on the team. But not a bad number two. Uh, here's one for me: um, a drunk purchase one night. Uh, it was before. I want to say it was once the the schedule came out, and in 2019 we were playing the Browns Monday Night Football. I said that game is going to be a blackout. Cannot wait. First game of black uniforms. I bought a hat. It's a plain black hat, and it says Sam Darnold with a period in writing. <laughs> that's all it says in the entire hat. I've worn it golfing. I wore it that night. It's, the, it's an absolute ridiculous hat, crazy drunk by. But even for Halloween this past weekend, uh, I rocked that hat. So number two ridiculous purchase that I have. Very nice. I have my number three is uh, another training camp specialty. I bought a Jets wallet and I brought it to training camp and the late great Jamal Adams signed the wallet. So anytime I would go out, I would, you know, 
if I was out buying drinks in a bar as again as an adult male I would have a wallet with the Jets on it and it would be signed by Jamal Adams and that replaced my Velcro Jets wallet that I had for many years an all-pro player signed your wallet not a bad one that same training camp he signed a jersey that my brother got me the night before he got me an authentic black Jamal Adams jersey Jamal signed it I put it in a frame I said this guy's gonna be a Jet for 15 years freezing cold takes exposed didn't happen but not a bad number three my number three, another drunk purchase. Um, I have this like Ralph Lauren robe from college that sometimes I'll rock. And I found it like a fully authentic New York Jets robe. It's very comfortable. I've worn it like two times in my entire life. Fully authentic Jets robe. I need to get more use out of it. But a ridiculous purchase that hangs behind my door. Every single night I look at it and I can't believe that I spent like $80 on that robe. <laughs> so stupid. So dumb, I mean, think about that. What could I have done with $60? I could have had like... That's yeah, worth it. You'll wear it, whatever, every once in a while. All right, my number four. In the Darrell Rivas uh, 30 for 30 documentary, my dad and I appear in the documentary. Or actually, it's a football life. It's the Darrell Rivas of football life. He's mm-hmm. the number 30 for 30. My dad and I appear in the, in the Jets by the Bucks week one of 2013. And you can see Rivas coming out of the tunnel for the Buccaneers. And my dad and I in our Revis jerseys screaming in row one. We printed out the picture, blew it up life size. It is in my house. We were in the Darrell Revis, a football life documentary. I remember watching that with you and you pointing it out. When did you, did you watch it live and did you kind of recognize the game and, and had a feeling that you might have been in it? Because we, we were thinking about it, it yeah. We sit in the 300s. Like, there's no way we're ever going to be on TV again. No, unless, the, you know, end of the game, blowout, someone takes a picture of the first row but yeah i mean we knew like jets bucks revis's first game away from the jets against the jets uh wasn't really expecting it but once we saw the the program it was like hey we knew we were there like we saw him run out of the tunnel so mm-hmm. did some zooming in yeah absolutely all right number four is a collection of items i have every single mark sanchez uniform that he's ever worn I have a green jersey, the, the throwback now, they're called throwbacks, um, like a youth medium. Now I have an actual adult one. I have a white autographs in a frame. I have a white Titans and I have a blue Titans. So I have every <laughs> single Mark Sanchez type of uniform that he's ever worn. Unfortunately, there is no Pro Bowl Mark Sanchez uniform. There's no color rush. That would be lit. Imagine there's an old color rush. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the Titans would be our throwbacks, and Color Rush was stupid and didn't exist yet. All yeah, right. First Color Rush, we had, I mean, think of like the Thursday night football against the Bills. Against the Bills, right? Like 2016 or yeah, 2015? Yeah, it was Patrick. It was 2015. 2015, yep, yep. Yeah, lost both those games against the Bills that year. My number five, I was trying to think of the most random uh, Jet player piece of memorabilia that I have, and I have a green number 21 Chris Johnson jersey that I like to rock every once in a while. So out of all of the random jets, I did purchase a Chris Johnson shirt slash jersey uh, in the 2014 jet season. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. Mike is always good for a birthday jersey. He'll send it over. I think I have a Bless Austin one. I definitely have a Matt Forte one, and I have a Chris Ivory one. So Big shout out to Mike on those. Number five, I've been back and forth 
I think I'm going to go with the Sam Darnold fathead. After week two, I was very depressed. A lot of people were, were calling for Sam's job at that time. Very premature. I'm walking in the mall and I look into a store and there's a huge Sam Darnold fathead on sale for like $20. Usually those probably go for like 45, 50. And I thought to myself, I couldn't let anybody else get that fathead and take it and then do something bad with it. So I brought it home. It was actually after week three because in a Denver game, that first quarter, second, like after Darnold had the 40, 50 yard touch or rushing touchdown, I looked over at the fathead. I'm like, this is going to change the entire season. Like after I bought this, the Jets are going to win out. And then they of course lost that game. So Sam Darnold, I have a three foot fathead and it's just his huge head. And it literally is on my nightstand. And my girlfriend probably wakes up in the middle of the night and looks at it and gets freaked out. <laughs> it's Sam Darnold's face looking at you. So good uh, list, Mike. I don't know who's good. in that one. That's tough. That's close. One. I actually kind of like your list, but we'll send it out to the group um, and, and see what, what her thinks. Any honorable mentions that didn't make the list? Yeah, we had, um, you know, Broadway Jets. We want to make a um, – like a – clothing line make like hoodies and t-shirts me and mike have like decent design ideas we're creative but i, I made a a joe namath like caricature that someone made and it's him getting drunk on a bar and it says broadway jets party like it's 1969 on it and it's a one of one in the world shirt that i got custom made so if we can actually make that in the off season and make it act like a thing that people can buy it'd be pretty cool but that is my one of one i have Every Jets golf-related thing, golf towel, golf balls, golf tee fixer, golf divot fixer, Broadway Jets neon sign. I wish it said Broadway Jets, but I have a bunch of Jets shit, but it was tough to have them be really random because – Yeah, yeah like, I have, like, shot glasses and, and uh, like, a comforter, like an old comforter for the bed. Your girlfriend got me a, a Jets Snuggie for my birthday. That was a, <laughs> that was a good really? one. She did. Well, it's like it's like kind of a Snuggie, but I can wear it. It's like a blanket shirt. Okay. Good. She did last year. Her. Or one holiday. I don't know what she got that for me for. I hope I got her a gift also. Jesus. It's coming up. She, she got me a, a Jet Nightlight because she's afraid of the dark. So we're like, I have, a That's black, stupid. I have blackout curtains and it is pitch black in my room at all times. So she got me like a really nice nightlight. I was like a little football player, probably like a foot tall, and I just, it's under my bed. I don't think I ever used it yet. But not bad, Mike. Good top five. We'll be, we'll be thinking of a few. If you guys have any ideas for a top five, me and Mike are always thinking about what we can do with it. But now it is time to face the music and talk about the Jets' week eight loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Going into the game, 19.5-point underdogs. I thought it was going to be very similar to the Baltimore game last year where we weren't going to win. We were going to lose by a significant amount. But Darnold would play well. The younger guys would pop a little bit. And it would be one of those games that we just are outplayed and they have better personnel and better coaching. In the first half, it felt like that. And I think you would agree that even though the Castillo kick was blocked, there was a little bit of momentum the Jets got to their side of the field four different times in the first half. Dale Loggins continues to show in the first half that he can get the ball moving. And you brought up on Twitter that the play calling, once they get inside the 35, has been very, very skeptical. And it comes back to the point of a, a decent first half where we can sit back and say, okay, let's see what we can do in the second half. And then just a, a complete fall on your fist, terrible second half. Um, so that's really how the, the game played out. 
there were some positives, and I think, Mike, we want to start getting into more positives because it's, it's too easy to be down in an 0-8 year and when everything's looking down. What, what were your initial takeaways from the game, and, and what positive do you, do you have to take away from it? Well, it looks like Quinn Williams is legit, which who, who would have thought? Like, you know, last year, super disappointing. <laughs> Honestly, you know, right. Matt just knocked over his one of his Broadway Jets memorabilia. But <laughs> last year, Quinn is super disappointing. Uh, this year, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, there's clips all over Twitter of him in multiple games doing cool stuff. He had a huge tackle for Lost on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on a screen. He nearly had a sack of Mahomes, and Mahomes threw the ball sideways out of bounds, which I thought they were probably going to call maybe intentional grounding or Mahomes down would have been nice. Mm-hmm. seems like Quinn and always kind of gets screwed out of a couple sacks for some weird, like, you know, roughing the passer face mask or, yeah, you know. Yeah, but, he could – I want to know um, – I want Nanny or Blewett to break it down. At the end of the year, I want to know how many what-if sacks Quinn could have had if he didn't have a face mask. There wasn't um, an obvious, right? The Mahomes, I thought his knee was down, but – yeah. What if right now that Quinn could have five and a half sacks through eight games? Yeah. And he leads the NFL in, in interior defensive linemen for uh, stops. We got to, we got to be happy with what we're seeing from Quinn. Um, he's definitely been one of the lone bright, bright spots on defense. Yeah. John Franklin Myers has been pretty good. He had a weird little penalty, but then he made up for it. He had a huge tackle for loss. Bless Austin tackled fantastic yesterday. Mm-hmm. A couple of, you know, breakdowns in coverage uh and i'd like to see the defensive line be more consistent just getting more consistent pressure you know you can i almost rather have consistent pressure than a sack here and there it's like like the first touchdown mahomes or the second touchdown mahomes threw to hill the first one was bullshit he just threw a fucking uh shovel pass to to uh uh what's his face the speedster uh Nicole hardman yeah but then he you know, Mahomes is all day to throw. He throws a rocket over the middle. Ashton Davis gets turned around to Tyreek Hill. Just can't have as many plays like that. And that comes down more to guys like Jordan Jenkins and Terrell Basham just not showing up a lot. Um, so there, there were some positives. Denzel Mims looks really cool. I mean, they just threw the ball. They targeted him three times. And that's partially you know, going to be on Mims. Uh, but a lot of weird play designs, like it's hot all over Twitter. The Barrios had 11 targets and Mims had three. And you're like, all right, maybe Denzel Mims needs to get open a little more. But, uh, you know, a couple – like a lot of those plays were designed screens to Barrios that just didn't work. I had 34 yards. So, uh, honestly, P. Ryan looked okay. He, uh, I, he looked all right. He's not really too shifty. Frank Gore looked fine. Mackay Becton on film just does crazy stuff. I know Michael Nanny was lauding George Fan we were talking about before the show. Um, so, just have some pieces. It's just, you know, really like a – a, a, a poor roster and and we'll get into the la- like specific instances where play calling is an issue for Sam because I see a lot on Twitter people are like you're just making excuses for Sam I will give you specific reasons why Sam is just is not producing yeah uh, before we get into Sam too a few things you touched on Mims um, Gates brought up today that he they had some plays that they were trying to get to him in the second half they didn't get to them because of personnel or whatever so you could put a little bit on Mims. I still think they're you got to find a way to target him. Uh, Chris Herndon completely absent until the fumble. Um, just an absolute train wreck of a season for him. What a disaster! The high hopes going in for him and being a legit threat. And I think one thing that people you know talked about with not having that threat outside was well, you have Bell, you have Herndon, you have Crowder. 
Herndon's been a disaster. Bell is gone and Crowder's been injured. So it's, it's been tough on Sam and I'm sure we'll get to that point, but P Ryan is, is really interesting to me because he has that a sneaky burst at times where you, you think that he has some real pop to him. And there's other times that you just don't see, you think to yourself, he's very, very plain. What do I get from this guy? And I think I, I kind of trick myself sometimes. He had a great rushing touchdown. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago? No, last week. Right. Last week. And and he gets to the corner, and you're like, "Wow, that's pretty, you know, pretty good run." And you're, and you're liking what you're seeing. Catches a few passes, makes a guy miss or two. He ends up having, I think, through his his games he's played, he's 58 out of 63 running backs with making a, a guy miss a tackle. So are are you losing some of that elusiveness? I still want to see more from P Ryan, obviously, but I don't. I'm not at this moment thinking that P Ryan's an, a number one running back by any means. You hope he can get to that Powell level. Um, of a guy that can bring a burst and can do a, a little bit of everything. Uh, you mentioned Becton and Fant only allowed one pressure. They played great. GVR has allowed two pressures in the last four weeks, so big on GVR. A lot of analytics have been talking about McGovern and Lewis been really struggling. Obviously, Josh Andrews coming in at guard really struggled. So a, a lot to go around with the Jets. I, I just think at the end of the day when we look at it, First two rounds are the reason why the Jets have been struggling the past decade. Not being able to hit in your first-round pick and not being able to hit in your second-round pick. We love what we're seeing from Becton. We like the small sample size from Mims. We just want to see what they can do the next eight games. So there are things to root for, and there are things to look out for because uh, these young guys can play. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's at least encouraging, and there are some positives that we're going to take away from these games, which is nice, and Hopefully Marcus May and, and stays on the team and uh, so we, we can add him to the young core that we're expecting for next year. I was responding to someone on Twitter. I think I was talking to Danny Baggs, who's a good Twitter follow, and um, talking about, like, holes for next year. Um, I, essentially, every single thing is a hole next year except for left tackle is going to be Becton. Our center is going to be Connor McGovern. Uh, slot receiver is, is Jamison Crowder. Hopefully they don't trade him. You'd like Marcus May to be the free safety. Bless Austin to play one of the corners. Denzel Mim to play one of the receiver spots. Um, other than that, I mean, P. Ryan won't be on the roster. Obviously, some capacity. Interior D-line. Interior D-line is the other position that is absolutely set. So you're going to have Quinnen, John Franklin Myers, Fatu Kasi, Kyle Phillips. All those guys are going to be back. Um, both outside linebacker spots. George Jenkins is going to be a free agent. He might get moved. Terrell, ba- I mean, this is before the deadline. We're filming this. Uh, and probably will be out before the deadline. Terrell Basham, who knows what, what he is. Is he a consistent pass rusher? Probably mm-hmm. not. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty on this team. Uh, it begs the question of, you know, I was arguing on Twitter with people who now want to take Justin Fields over Sam Darnold, and I feel very strongly against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we both land at the spot of, if you go 0-16 and you get number one, Lawrence is completely on the table. Unless get you get that jaw-dropping offer that nobody could refuse. Yeah, I think we agree. And that's not that we aren't Sam Darnold guys. It just makes the most sense because we think Sam Darnold can be great elsewhere. But he is to the point that even with a clean pocket – he does look like he goes through his progressions too fast. His feet get very jittery. And I don't blame that on him. It didn't happen 
year one, right? It didn't happen early year two. It, it just it progressively is getting worse for Darnold. And my biggest fear is that if you keep Darnold year four, when he does go home 16 or one and 15, you get the number one overall pick. And a guy like Lawrence comes around, you don't want to be known as a team that didn't get it done. And it, it's okay to be wrong there. Teams have done it before, but it, it's to the point that we need to see eight games of Darnold. And I, I said it when there was 10 games, I said it when there was nine games, clock is ticking and I, I want Darnold to succeed. I want him to play great. If the Jets fall into two wins and Jacksonville gets the first pick, you can trade the field pick for two ones and two twos and build around Darnold. That can happen. And that might be the best thing for the Jets. But right now, those wins that you can fall into are getting less and less by the week. And I just think Fields is the type of guy, he's not – he's going to be good. I don't think Fields is going to be a bad quarterback. He's probably a type of quarterback that the new NFL is evolving to, being mobile, being accurate, being able to throw on the run. Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold, right? So you, you have – it's a whole meme of we have – like we have Justin Fields at home and his name is Sam Darnold. And you need to let him play it out. Lawrence is a guy that, since he was in middle school, has been in the spotlight. He's been the number one recruit. He's been the number one team, been in championship games twice. He's he's the can't-miss guy. I completely get it. You got eight games, and that's all I got to say. It's important to know that we've been very consistent with our take. Our take has been that if the Jets had this, like it was too early in the season when people were giving up on Sam, and he's dealing with an impossible situation. I've called it uh, – it's a it's – a, perfect storm of shit for Sam. The, mm-hmm. the worst play calling, the worst coaching, bottom three receiving core that is at times the bottom one receiving core with injuries. He has not had a thousand yard rush, a hundred yard rusher in a game since 2018 and poor offensive line play. So you're not going to overcome all that. Now we've said, look, if the Jets are 0-8, 0-9, 0-10, then you get to the point where it's going to be hard to turn down Trevor Lawrence for sure. And Sam is playing, you know, not putting up consistent stats. Mm -hmm. So what bothers me with Justin Fields is that Trevor Lawrence is a generational prospect. Justin Fields is not. So if the, so if you go ahead and we, I I just said it five minutes ago, the Jets have pretty much a hole at almost every single position on the roster. So by replacing Sam with Justin Fields, are you going to get that much better? Probably not. If you give Sam another year, you pick up his fifth year option and he has another poor season you're going to be in position to draft another quarterback who's the second or third or fourth guy, just like Justin Fields. Um, whereas if, you know, if you pass on Lawrence, there's not going to be another Trevor Lawrence next year. So we understand that. Uh, we're still committed to seeing what Darnold does in the last few games. Now what I want is the Jets to fire this coaching staff and give Sam a chance with another coaching staff. What the Jets should do is fire this scumbag and throw the ball 40 times every single game for the last eight games. Now let's go through some of the drives from yesterday's game and understand why it is very difficult. And this is this is when people say on Twitter, hey, we're making excuses for Sam, this and that. Let's go through some of the drives. So the first two drives of the game, the Jets kicked field goals. The, the Jets got the ball back. The, so the only time the Jets were really near the red zone yesterday, they were on like the Chiefs 30-yard line. What they did was they threw a wide receiver screen to Braxton Barrios for negative two yards. Then... Darnold tried to throw an out route to Jeff Smith on the outside, who's been horrendous, miscommunication, practice squad receiver. You know, that doesn't happen with, you know, Allen Robinson, with with DeAndre Hopkins, with anyone. It happens with Jeff Smith. It's third and 12. The Jets throw a wide receiver screen to Braxton Berrios. 
so there's one drive gone from Sam. It's just gone. It's like nothing ever happened. You can't possibly score on that possession. In the second half, the Jets go three and out. Denzel Mims drops the first down, uh, catchable ball. The second drive, three and out. The Jets throw like a four-yard pass to Braxton Berrios on third and eight. Third drive, three and out. Braxton Berrios drops a first down uh, on third down. So, again, uh, to Dowell to Loggins' credit, that's tough. That's two times your receivers dropped a first down on third down. The fourth drive, Chris Herndon fumbles. Um, so I don't know what, what's supposed to happen. And then the Jets just gave up, and the game was, like, so nauseating. Let's look at some of their drives in the fourth quarter. They're down, 20, they're down 35 to 9. They ran the ball with P. Ryan for six yards. They ran the ball with P. Ryan for zero yards, and then we – we Sam threw the ball away. We punted, and then we got the ball back again, and just ran the ball to the middle with Ty Johnson three times. So it's like, wh- where in those seven drives? Like those are seven drives that are just wasted, literally wasted. Like, what is Sam supposed to do on those seven drives? So that's why the best way to evaluate this guy is to fire this piece of shit garbage coach who says that only he's the one trying to win, and no one in the locker room cares. Uh, and let Sam loose one time. Let him loose. Throw the ball 40 times. Get out in shock and get out and hurry up. Um, does it, what is it, was it really help to run the ball with Frank Ward 10 times for 30 yards? Uh, I mean, so I think that's the best case scenario for the franchise to truly evaluate this guy. And if after those eight games, if Sam really looks horrible, if he has some time to throw, the offensive line gels a little bit, guys are making plays, but it's really Sam. It doesn't look very, very good. Um, you know, you draft Trevor Lawrence, but to uh, like quote unquote upgrade from Sam Darnold to Justin Fields, I don't think it is. I'd rather have Sam Darnold and Penny Sewell, the right tackle, than Justin Fields and whatever third round pick we're going to get for Sam. I'd rather have Sam and and uh, and Cage, the uh, what's his face, the receiver from LSU. Uh, what the hell's his name? Oh, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Jamar Chase. Well, I was thinking of Russell Gage. I don't know why. The fucking receiver <laughs> from the Falcons. I'd rather have Sam in a boatload of picks, like you said, for the second pick. You know, two ones, a, a two, uh, than Justin Fields. I mean, Justin, like, it's just not a big upgrade to me. And the Jets have a thousand holes in their roster. I'm not giving up on Sam to draft another B, B plus prospect quarterback right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I take the, the people on Twitter with a gram of salt when, when they're calling Sam Darnold bad and, and they're not looking at the bigger picture. We go through life and we meet non-self-aware people. People that want Trevor Lawrence and they have good reasonings for it and they present fact, they say, hey, look, Sam Darnold's in an impossible situation. You can't pass up on this talent. Sam hasn't shown enough with the people around him. Um, all right, I get that. We can have a discussion about it. We can talk about it. You're going to have people that are going to be in your mentions and tell you, Every year they're gonna. If Trevor Lawrence starts off 0-5, they'll say, "Hey, this might not be the guy. We gotta look in, and see what we want to do." So, I mean, I, I don't even respond to most of the people on Twitter. I like to have more educated conversations. But like, you made a perfect rundown of the drives and seven or eight drives that the Jets just threw away. The one thing that I'm gonna remember 2024, and this is a, there's gonna be a million things to remember it for. It could be 1-15, 0-16. You could remember the the last year of Darnold and Gase. What the Jets do on third down has to be the most infuriating thing. I don't know the stats to back it up, but every third down on defense, I immediately – it's not even that they're getting first downs off of penalties. They're just getting wide open first downs. And then on offense, we can't do anything. So it, it comes down to if the if, – I know the Chiefs are a Super Bowl team. If it's third and 15 
I think there's like a 50-50 shot they're going to convert that first down. If it's third and seven, I think there's an 80% chance they convert it. If it's third and three, I think there's a 95% chance. Yeah, but then it's us. It's third and it's third and seven, and we throw a four-yard pass. Like we're that's yeah. why we're converting 29.8% of our. And then you're going to hear, well, the the Chiefs have the personnel to do it. Okay, well, if Travis Kelsey has five first downs and no one's within a five-yard hula hoop of him, then maybe you should do something different on defense, and that's an indictment on Greg Williams too. And I'm not. Their goal in the game was not to let Mahomes get out of the pocket, let him create plays with his feet, and, and yeah, it's all nice and fun. Then he throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and you think to yourself, "Hey, you know, maybe we should have made an adjustment at halftime. Maybe we should have done something different." So I'm tired of this this whole garbage that the entire coaching staff has. Is that I think they go into the game with one mindset. They don't make any adjustments, and they do their own scheme, and they don't fit their schemes to the players. I think Greg Williams in his career has done a good job of doing that. He took Jamal Adams and just made him a seven and a half, eight sack guy. That's great. What's happening this year? Who is, what is the defense's identity? Who looks great on defense other than Quinnen right now? Because Bless also made a lot of good tackles, but he also led the league through the first three weeks and missed tackles. So it's like, we agree that Bless Austin is a good tackler. Like, I think he is. I really believe that. He wraps people up low. He does everything you want to see. Who on the team am I rooting for? Avery Williamson, fine with a fifth round pick in 2022. 13 for 13, like 150 yards when he was covering people yesterday in a touchdown. I just, this defense, I, as much as I hate Adam Gates and I hate Dow Loggins, I don't like really anyone on the offense. I get more sick watching the defense because I expect that from Adam Gates. I don't expect that from Greg Williams. And it's just a, the third down on this team is the most infuriating thing I've ever watched week in and week out. I was yeah. freaking out. Defensive personnel is not that different from last year where the Jets were solid. It really isn't. And, I mean, the Jets played the first 10 games, or whatever, 8 to 10 games last year with Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts as their corners, who are, you know, laughing stocks on Jets Twitter. And you replace it with Desir and Bless Austin, who, you know, you'd think would be a solid tandem, not like, you know, anything special. But I don't know what it is. No, it just really hasn't worked. The run defense has been a little more porous. Um, the Jets haven't been blitzing a lot. Rich Simini pointed that out yesterday. In the first half, the Jets brushed four or less on 16 of the 20 plays. Um, but really what matters is is the Jets need to get rid of this coach. They need to try something new for Sam just just for the sake of the franchise to evaluate this guy. And I don't know what the reasoning to not do that is. It's not like you can have any worse of a season. You can't you can't be worse than 0-8. Uh, you're losing every game by three touchdowns. So we're going to get embarrassed on national TV now against the Patriots will probably, you know, will the first first half will be down 10-6 and you know, when we get to the red zone we'll throw three wide receiver screens and and Darnold will get sacked because Connor McGovern gets destroyed and and then we're going to say okay, we're in the game and then we lose 27 to 9 and it's you know, it's just embarrassing like it's not fun. Uh got to fire the guy, throw the ball with Sam fucking 40 times. Joe Burrow leads the league in attempts and completions. Do it. Why not? Who cares? What What do we possibly have to lose? You're not making the playoffs. The, the players, like you say all the time, Matt, are trying to win football games. No one on the field is tanking. Just fucking get rid of the guy. Spark a life into the team. Let Sam go, you know, let Sam throw the ball 45, 50 times. I don't give a shit. Come yeah, on. I have, I have two things. One, I do not think if Joe Douglas walked into Christopher Johnson's office and said, fire Adam Gates, Christopher Johnson would say no. No, he would say yes. He would say, I have you signed for four years. You have a big extension. Joe Douglas, you have a big contract. You are staying. I get that. 
will fire a gaze. So I blame Joe Douglas. A lot of people on Twitter don't think Joe Douglas has that power. He definitely does. Again, I think it is a very naive and very basic lame take to say the Jets are keeping Adam Gase to lose more games. That's I said it last week. Joe Douglas, for his career as being a GM, he is now seven and sixteen. He cares. That that's a big that's a big feeling to have as a, a GM that everyone loves. He had a whole draft. He had a whole season to evaluate the team last year. He had a whole free agency, and the team he put on the field is zero and eight. So if he thinks that Jim Bob Cooter or Brant Boyer or Greg Williams is a better shot to win a game, he will fire Adam Gase. So I blame Joe Douglas on those two things for not getting it done. And it's very main Jets Twitter accounts are like, oh, you, they're keeping Gase to lose more games. I think that's like a crazy take to me. I don't, I don't get it. And it. It's a very, very popular take, and I don't get it. I get why people think it, but it's not. It's more of like a ha-ha, like, Conspiracy. It's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. It's, uh, yeah. You know, uh, like I, I have something I want to leave you with. All right. Yeah. So I think what the Jets fans need to start playing for is, is one very, very, very important thing. So a lot of drafts you'll talk about people get like the second overall pick instead of the fifth. And that's a big difference too, but even going from 28 or 29 to 22 or 23, it's a big difference. To trade up that spot, you might have to give up a second or third round pick. So the value does matter there. Right now, the Seahawks are in first place in the NFC and have that buy. Remember, only one team has a buy this year. They're 6-1. and one. The Jets fans need to root for the Seahawks to not get that buy. It's very, very important. So you have Green Bay, the Saints. You have Arizona and Tampa Bay, all teams that are 5-2 and two that you need to root for to get ahead of the Seahawks. It's a huge difference because if they don't have that buy and they lose in that first round, it can impact the draft in a large, large way. So just keep that in the back of your mind because I think that's a huge thing I'm looking at for the second half of the season. The Seahawks schedule is a little bit – it's not too difficult. They have some tough games the rest oh, of the way. They play the Jets. What are you talking about? Are you talking? <laughs> that's going to be a disaster. But they play the Bills, the Rams twice – the Niners are all hurt. They play the Cardinals going to beat them, but I mean, they play the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, the Washington. It's not. It's you know, it, uh, the Eagles are actually tough. You know, they play up to people, but we'll see. I don't know if the Seahawks are losing more than three games, so we're going to have to hope. Uh, you know, the Packers are the Packers are great too, but they lost to the Vikings. We'll see. Um, yeah, I know we're all we're all over the place right now, but going back to the Burrow stat you said, yeah, going into the year. A lot of analysts and a lot of people said that the Bengals were the worst team in the NFL, even with Burrow. They went head-to-head against the Jets, like in, you know, ESPN analysts talking about it. They said, look, the Jets have a better roster than the Bengals. Bengals have two wins, and they had another tie. And they just beat the Titans, who are fantastic. So so what is the excuse for the Jets and Joe Douglas and Adam Gase to be 0-8 right now? And Christopher Johnson. But not even 0-8, the most embarrassing 0-8 ever. Like, the Giants are 1-7. But the Giants are what, one and six. I think they played tonight, but they play close games. They lost barely to the Eagles. They should have beaten the Cowboys. You know, they're in football games. They're playing normal games. Like, and and as Jet fans, you know, we've experienced some poor seasons, but like it's never been like this. This is historically bad. No one's ever had a season like this. In fact, Mike, you made a good point on the Giants Steelers week one Monday night game. They, that was a 
close, tight game, and the Steelers pulled away at the end. Obviously, they're the best team in the NFL right now. They lost uh, the Bears by four points. Bears by four. 49ers was a, was a weird game when the 49ers stayed in the East Coast and walloped the Jets and Giants. But then, you know, three-point loss to the Cowboys, one-point loss to the Redskins, one-point loss to the beat the Redskins, yeah. Oh, beat the Redskins. Yeah. And, and two, two of your last three losses have been – with uh, like five total points. So you got to think to yourself, the Giants could easily be a team that fell into a few wins. They could be, you know, three and four right now, two and five. So Mike, good point. How many times are you going to get blown out by 20 points? How many times are you going to be in an absolute embarrassment in the second half and on third down? It's just one of those years that we're going to look back on and we're going to say, oh, it, it can't get worse than this. And we just have to get better and have Joe Douglas make the right picks and then make the right moves to get us back to a competent spot in 2021. We're not asking to win the division in 2021. We're not asking to be an automatic playoff team, even though they they have seven playoff teams now. And this year they might move it to eight. Of that the sucks. Republic. Right? I, it's I think too for easy. Year, it's for, like the re- one of the reasons I don't love it. For one, one year reason- you could do eight. Oh, for this year, but it can't be eight going forward. One of the reasons it's like basketball is stupid or hockey is every team makes the playoffs. It's like, and if you're a fringe playoff team, it's a bad thing. Like in football, it's a good thing. If you go nine and seven and make the playoffs, you could win the Super Bowl, you know? So, you know, I love six. I think six is the perfect number. It is perfect. You reward, seven the, is you reward the teams that win the division. You get the top two a buy. The two teams that couldn't get it done their division make the playoffs. I love yeah. it. Even seven is okay. It's not horrible. We have Eight breaking, is too much. We have breaking news. Oh. Not crazy news, but Ian Rapport, Sam Darnold underwent an MRI on his shoulder, and it showed re-aggravation, but he will attempt to manage and play through it on Monday Night Football. He has to play. I can't handle him not playing. I just can't handle it. Because why, why we can't handle him not playing for people that don't really care and they just want to lose every game? Sunday was November 1st, right? Yeah. The Jets play the 9th for Monday Night Football, and they don't play again until the 22nd. So then we would have to go 21, 22 days without seeing Sam Darnold play football when we need to evaluate him to know what we're going to do for the future. That's why Sam Darnold needs to play every game. He has to I think play. he'll probably play. Um, it was also weird. I think he, he got – mad at himself. Gase got mad at himself for not sliding on that play. It's a weird play. A lot of quarterbacks do that to kind of get down quick without sliding and they kind of get roughed up a it, little bit. It wasn't like he was by himself and didn't slide. He was like in the middle of a crowd. Like it's hard to just back, like put your ass in the yeah, floor. Yeah, he didn't situation. do it the Josh McCown dive helicopter. He was being somewhat that that was a weird play, but Yeah, it's unlucky. We 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 covered a lot in this podcast. Top five Chiefs recap. Excited for the Monday night game this week. Um, I don't mind Monday night games. Enjoy enjoy your time of Sunday watching Red Zone with family and friends, drink, and have a and have just have yourself a good time. There's a lot more frustrating things in the world than Jets football, but we are here to be your outlet. It's not easy. I'm so thankful that I have Mike to bullshit with, and I have our Jets Twitter audience because it would not be as easy to get through it if it wasn't for all the fun people we have out there. But, you know, there's nothing fun about being 0-8. There's nothing fun about being the worst team in NFL history. So don't enjoy <laughs> the misery. Yes, that's very important to leave off with.
don't like that the Jets are own sixteen. It's don't not cool. Do it. Don't there like are, it. There are so many bad franchises. Twelve teams have never won a Super Bowl, so they can automatically have the bad say, "Oh, we're the most miserable." Who gives a shit? We want to be competent and good and normal. If you win one game, you immediately eliminate yourself. Even if you are the worst point differential and statistic team ever, you eliminate yourself from the Browns and Lions discussion. If you're 0-16, you enter that discussion, you do not want to be there. We don't want it. Don't want it. Can't have it. It's a pleasure, Mike. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy.